Welcome everyone to the inaugural episode of Performance Strategies and Stumbles. I'm Dan Howells and I'm thrilled to embark on this weekly journey of education and enlightenment with you. In this inaugural episode, I want to share a bit about why I decided to start this podcast. Over the years, I've had the privilege of meeting incredible individuals who do great things in their environments. My personal experiences across high-performance sport have taught me two critical things in terms of what differentiates successful practitioners and those successful environments that they create. First is that any performance strategy needs clarity of its principles. The real yet clear why behind why you choose to do what you do in your performance environment or the performance strategy you choose. Secondly, is that all great practitioners get to become effective not by perfection, but by making mistakes, reflecting on them, and iterating by learning from these experiences. And so I wanted to bring these two focal areas to you as a listener in the format of an easily digestible podcast. With feedback from a number of you in the field already, I'll be bringing you specific information on the what, the why, and the how behind different performance strategies and approaches that performance practitioners take in their world. We will get deeper into reps, sets, language, processes, and so much more as we target each episode on one specific area of focus. That could be program design or how data gets used to inform decisions, specific recovery strategies that practitioners use in different sports, or how to prepare for a specific major event, and so much more. Additionally, working with a number of emerging coaches and practitioners, I've received great feedback that many in the field assume that those who sit as people they aspire to be are effective at what they do because they don't make any mistakes. This is the biggest fallacy we have in the industry, and I believe that this podcast will help bring you the real-world experiences needed to optimize your own career by learning from the mistakes of others. So that's where the next part of this podcast series comes, where I'll be bringing you honest and open admissions of mistakes or the stumbles from practitioners in the field of performance sport, and more importantly, what it taught them along the way to make them a more effective practitioner today so you can learn from those lessons without making them yourself. Get ready for raw and authentic conversations about formal strategies that work, the rationale behind them, the unexpected hurdles that test our resolve, and the wisdom gained from both success and failure. Now, one thing I'm yet to mention is that this podcast will have a unique format. I will look to deliver episodes of less than 30 minutes in duration for you to receive specific detail that you can quickly transfer into personal application immediately. And so to achieve this, the Performance Strategies and Stumbles podcast will dissect strategies and stumbles in two compelling halves. Each guest will provide you with two consecutive weeks of an episode. In our initial week of each episode, we delve into the strategies practitioners employ in performance sport environments and covering the how and the why behind those decisions. This exploration equips you as the listener with actionable insights, providing a playbook of strategies to implement in their own performance endeavors. Then, just a week later, the second half of our guest episodes will be released that shifts focus to the hurdles and missteps encountered by the guest throughout their career. As we delve into the realm of mistakes, our guests will candidly share valuable lessons learned from their setbacks. 
By shedding light on the imperfections in performance, we underscore that success is a journey filled with unexpected twists. So, embracing the concepts of clarity in your principles and failing forwards. I invite you to join me as I unravel the authentic stories behind the ebb and the flow of strategies and stumbles in the ever-evolving world of performance sports. Here's a little example of what you can expect from up-and-coming episodes in the strategy section of this podcast. That's awesome. So we're going to dig into three specific strategies here. And what I'm really excited about for everyone listening is that all this can be done without even profiling an athlete using VBT. And I think everybody sometimes falls into the trap of I've got to characterize things. I've got to assess somebody first before I can use VBT, which is incorrect. So just share some of the areas we're going to dig into today specifically. Yeah, of course. Uh, I think it's important to kind of preface that with, um, you know, VB, there's a spectrum of VBT applications. VBT is, a, is an umbrella term. It's, it's, uh, and within that sits a number of different approaches that are, that are multifaceted and flexible. Um, and, and the most immersive is your profiling and your, your full on programming with, um, with VBT involved. And that's a great, it's a great option, but often than not, and certainly some of, from the, some of the research that I've done, um, coaches, athletes, they don't feel like they have the time to go that immersive. Um, and because of that, I think there are some simple, simple solutions to still being able to auto-regulate, to still being able to utilize VBT and get the best out of your athletes on any given day. So the, the three areas that I typically focus on um, that requires no of that preamble profiling is some simple monitoring, um, simple feedback mechanisms and approaches, and then velocity loss, which kind of links to, to volume control. The third strategy we wanted to dig into with some practical takeaways for the listeners is this velocity loss. And I think this is probably an area that I've struggled with because I've just not had somebody telling me, like you're about to now, <laughs> how to use this. Is it? How does it all work? So normally these days there are in all the apps it'll do it for you yeah so all the the the, the decent the ones that i've come across yeah. have a velocity loss setting so i would always go off best rep now there is a caveat to that and the reason i say go off best rep is because often a, a best rep of that set or best rep at that weight historically best rep of, of, of that of that set of the set yes yeah. um let's get into some of, of the program design then in a given session does this does the theme say similar throughout the year for your let's just focus on those tuesday saturday sessions mm. are they starting with your sort of bang for buck exercises and then finishing with sort of ancillary work i'll give you as much detail as i can yeah. uh so general prep we'll have it's, it looks typical training right you'd have your olympic lifts first but they're not in there because they are you know we do your power stuff first it's in there because it's more for learning nice. but, you know if just reintroduce them, you've got the fresh athlete with probably the most mm. attentive post warm up. So that's my really coach intensive block mm -hmm. because when we move on to the specific prep, your Olympic lifts become a key lift. So nice. if you're not technically competent in a lift in the block before, I don't include them in the next block. You go onto a trap bar, drop, catch, jump yeah. exercise. Attack. But in uh, the preparation side of things, what are some of the sort of key areas that you are repeatedly race after race after race having to work on uh, and get right and get your processes and strategies right. Let, let's touch on the warm up for a moment, and, yeah. and certainly, folks who are physical preparation um, mm. coaches and practitioners. You know, I think we're all to a point are fairly comfortable there. And then you're kind of working back then from the idea of, but I'm going to warm them up. 
so what's the purpose of that warm-up really yeah. i'm not trying oh. to drive a lot of a lot of core temperature now in the winter period where we'd say doing testing and that and as such and it's cold and they want some heat so they can actually feel the dexterity in their hands and fingers for sure we'll get skipping reps out and we'll maybe do jogging or whatever or we'll do some you know kind of like tennis hand-eye reaction stuff but we're yeah. encouraging some movement so we're getting yeah. some of the cold temperature but what i'm actually trying to do really normally i would say at least 80 percent 80 percent of the time is i recognize that there'll be a response from a warm-up where we'll see a, an increase in core temperature but actually in the hot environment in the cockpit environment where it's yeah. hot we don't want to impede cognitive nah. performance so yeah. we don't want to avoid we want to avoid as, as much as we can and delay this kind of this curve of heating up we want to cool down as much as we can because we recognize they're going to heat up again when they get into the car some fantastic information shared there by guests who will feature in the early episodes of the pod now one thing that has resonated with me from each episode i've recorded so far in this strategy segment is that each guest has extreme clarity behind why they do what they do. It may appear unconventional or more often than not, even simpler than we would expect a high performance strategy to be. But I hope that these basics done well and clear rationale become areas that you can learn from as a listener. So now let's take a listen to some extracts from the second part of the pod where guests will share their experiences of failing forwards in the stumbles that they've experienced. So welcome back to part two here of the episode with Phil Scott. We're going to jump into more of the performance stumbles. We've heard from Phil and his performance strategies around strength and power design within cricket. But now looking at Phil as a practitioner and as the coach, some of the stumbles that he's encountered across his career. So Phil, where are we going to start with this? We'll start relatively lightheartedly, <laughs> but also with a serious message in there. Yeah. Um, I guess going back and Working in a team sport, particularly, you've got you're taking a lot of warm ups and you're you're preparing these guys for games day on day and training day on day, week on week throughout mm -hmm. the year. So providing some variety, fun stimulation before they they get going is is absolutely key. Um, I wouldn't say it's particularly one of my strengths. Um, okay. It's it's uh, but it's something you you have to have in the locker, and you know we've mm. all got some fun stuff to do. Um, however, in terms of open, honest, and vulnerable, there's been some there's been some <laughs> um, warm ups which were were fundamentally awful, and some games that, um, despite I had absolutely had planned them, they just did not work. And mm -hmm. and any professional athlete is is usually there for a reason. They're they're usually quite headstrong and very honest and open and with their opinions. And when you've got sixteen to eighteen. Uh, lads voicing their opinion very quickly that this this game isn't working um it it can put you under the pump and under the pressure and uh, under pressure and and to, to either try and solve it in the moment um or or i think one thing that you've i've learned to do is is be very honest open name it and own mm. it if yeah. you do that you're gonna you, you well, yeah. i found that um if you go against them you're not gonna win against 16 no. hot-headed um hot-headed fellas who are who are about to try and um <laughs> compete with 50,000 um, people watching yeah. so uh, uh, let's dig into the fact that you've got your peers or friends as your athletes and mm. you've mentioned they're slipping into not necessarily unprofessional approaches but i guess you've flexed to accommodate friends in that situation what did that look like was it did it manifest as banter? Did it manifest as like letting them do what they wanted to do? Yeah. yeah. They were they were pretty good actually. They knew that I was trying to 
grow as a coach and the, the lines were a bit blurred. Um, but it just that the level of respect that you naturally have for a coach as an athlete wasn't quite there. And I threw the situation and circumstances that weren't really my fault, but they, mm. there was, it was just more t- sessions would turn into banter and we'd get distracted and mm. the intensity would fall away. And, and now being able to sit where I am now and look back at that coach that was, was going around then I see it happened quite a lot for young coaches still yeah. where they meet with athletes and, this might be their first or second job and the athlete has a, a profile and you want to connect with that person, but they just want you to do your job like just yeah. deliver as a coach. Yeah. And then we'll become friends at the end of it. I'm yeah. sure if you can do this, then that bit happens naturally. The so athletes, the first question is, you know, looking back on your career, what was some of the, what was one of the main standout mistakes you made as an emerging practitioner? Yeah, I would say that one of the areas that I, I, <laughs> very quickly fell into was this a bit of ignorance matched with naivety around a belief that programs were the defining the defining level of either your success in individual day to day and or your potential to move on to bigger opportunities yeah. in your career if somebody was resistant to doing weights was there a an, did you make mistakes of accommodating the not accommodating the athlete or was it this exercise it's got to be the thing that we do because that's the gold standard. Yeah, were you inflexible because your programming was a, a reflection of you? Hundred percent, hundred percent. I I looked at individuals a square peg and my programs around hole. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. this is this is the elite template. So why yeah. aren't you doing that? And rather yeah. than try to gain some common ground with a person and to speak to them and figure out why is it they're demonstrating an objection to this, mm-hmm. I would just level that straight into the physio and or the or, or the manager and yeah. go because it wasn't a compulsory environment. And just go, this person doesn't want to do it. So, yeah. you know, they've got a pretty bad attitude rather than I could have overcome maybe and or given that individual a little yeah. bit of an in with, let's just do 10 minutes today. If that's what you want to do, yeah. mate, or yeah. what do you want to do? And that's what, that yeah. get some results there. And then let's, yeah. let's bring into the program later. So some honest yeah. experiences there. And ones I know I can relate to as well as some lessons for me to take away and consider in what I do too. And I hope this is what we can provide you as a listener as well. The key standout trait in all of the stumbles recording so far is an accurate self-awareness that reflection is critical to empower us to learn from our mistakes. With this segment of the pod, I really hope to drive your attention to reflecting in what you do too and recognizing what you can learn from failing forward. Each guest content will be released on Wednesday of each week. If you like the initial strategy episode from each guest, this should create some anticipation and eagerness to tune in seven days later to listen to their Stumbles episode segment. So, from me, thank you for tuning in to Performance Strategies and Stumbles podcast and its inaugural introduction episode here with me. I can't wait to share a number of performance strategies with you, a lot of the why and the how behind them, as well as the inspiring stories about lessons learned in high performance too. Stay tuned for a rollercoaster ride of wisdom and discovery This is the Performance Strategies and Stumbles podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Howells. I look forward to getting started next week with you all.